Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. This is episode 56, Don't Waste Your Food and Other Unhelpful Thoughts. And I'm really happy to be back with you. We're going to talk all about reframing how you think about food. And as I'm recording this, we're right in the middle of our recent best weight cohort. And I love meeting with the women every single week and hearing their wins and hearing women who have been like in autopilot for so long, just trying the dieting thing, trying the calorie counting thing and not understanding why it just doesn't work long-term and finally waking up and having so much awareness of like, wow, I see where my brain leads me when I'm not managing it. I see like where I'm just like mindlessly eating and in bringing that awareness. Like it's just bringing consciousness to our behaviors. It's being intentional and making empowered choices. Just in doing that, they're losing weight. Pants sizes are, are, pants are getting too loose. We had one client who was like, I went skiing and I bent over to do up my boots and like my pants weren't tight, right? This, these are wins where you don't have to cross your fingers and hope you have enough willpower and restrict. You don't have to like count all your calories and weigh all your food on a food scale. That is just exhausting when I think about it. But it's about reframing our relationship with food and our body and really taking ownership of our life and creating it intentionally. That is what it is all about and what you can achieve when you take an empowered stance and you do the thought work to get there. All right. So I have six unhelpful thoughts that maybe you've had that are preventing you from losing weight and just getting in the way. And I thought I would go through these six and provide you with some suggestions of how you could reframe them. Okay, so the first one is, I have to finish my plate, right? I can't waste my food. Here is the reality for many of us. Many of us grew up with parents or grandparents who went through harder times, right? Coming out of like Great Depression or coming out of, you know, two world wars and then our grandparents' generation and then our parents' generation. And back then there was scarcity. There was a lack of food. There was needing to like scrimp, right? And so we grew up being told there are children starving in the world and you cannot waste your food, right? And so that is taking food away from these starving children. So many of us were conditioned that we have to finish our plate, right? It's either the starving children or that, you know, this costs money and so you should finish it. Whatever the reason, how many of us grew up believing that it was wasteful if we didn't finish our plate? And so our parents or our grandparents downloaded their beliefs on us as children. And then we just grew up with this condition, conditioned way of thinking And then we develop these core beliefs. Now, what is a belief? A belief is just a thought you've had a bunch of times. Like you've had it so many times, you just don't even question it anymore. You just assume that it's factual, right? This is just a fact. If I don't eat this, it's wasteful. That is a fact, right? If I don't eat this, someone else is, you know, I'm taking away from someone else. So I better finish this, right? Like that is when we, when we look at the core of it, that is what many of us believe. So we must finish our plate. And so then we never question whether these beliefs are still serving us. And that's what I want you to start doing now. 
I just want you to start questioning, like, is it serving me to think that it's wasteful to not finish my food? Right? Because the fact is that if it is not in the garbage, it's being wasted on your body, right? If you are eating beyond what you're needing and you're just finishing your plate because you're afraid of wasting it, what you're actually doing is you're treating your your body like a garbage can and you're wasting it on your body. I know it sounds so harsh and yet it's true because it's not food that your body is needing, right? So if you start like questioning this, then you might realize halfway through your meal that you're done. So then the question is like, what do you do at that point, right? Well, you have the option of throwing that food in the garbage. And yes, initially that is wasteful, right? You're buying food and it costs, you know, food is expensive these days, right? And then you're throwing it in the garbage. But here's the thing, over time, you're not going to continue doing that, right? Because over time, you're going to really realize that, wow, I actually don't need as much food as I've been plating and eating. And so maybe you'll plate less and maybe you'll cook less and maybe you'll even buy less. And maybe you're going to spend less money on food. But here's the the kicker is you'll never actually learn this as long as you keep believing that it's wasteful to finish your plate, to not finish your plate, because you will always just eat the food and you will always just repeat the cycle, right? And this is how our past continues into our future is when we don't question our core beliefs. When we don't question the way we see the world, we will just continue repeating our past and recreating it in our future. This applies to your children's plates too, which I am guilty of, right? It's like, you see a few bites left on your kid's plate and you think like, oh, it seems so wasteful to throw that in the garbage. And so we eat it, but we are treating our bodies like garbage cans when we do that. So I just want you to start considering whether it is a beneficial belief that you're holding onto that I cannot waste food. Here's an option that you could consider instead, right? What if we paused and thought, you know what? My body is not a garbage can and I am honoring my body when I stop at just enough. That is an act of love and self-care. When I stop and put this food in the garbage, it is an act of self-care. Now, here's the thing. You don't actually have to put the food in the garbage, right? Like if you don't want to waste it, put it in a Tupperware container. I posted once in our in our private community for our, for best weight, a picture of like two bites left of my food that I'd put in a, in a Tupperware container and put in the fridge. And it was like, it looked so sad to put two bites in a Tupperware. It seemed like such a waste. Like, why don't you just eat it instead of dirtying a Tupperware and putting it in the fridge? Like, when are you going to have it? But it was my action of showing myself, Hey, I do not need to finish it just because it's two bites left. Right. The amazing thing is if you started leaving even just two bites behind and you did that, you know, at every meal over the course of a week and you put that all in a Ziploc bag, it would be, you would be shocked at how much food you aren't eating. I'm not suggesting like don't eat if you, your body actually needs it, right? Like you understand the gist of it. I'm saying if you're overeating and you actually just cut back by two bites a week at the end of the week, that's a significant amount of food that you would have otherwise taken in unnecessarily. And that leads to weight gain. So belief number one, that's not serving you is I can't waste my food. I have to finish my plate. Here's the second belief. I'm a foodie. I just really love food. Now, some of you just got your back up because you're like, hey, I am a foodie. That's part of my identity. I love being a foodie. I love going to restaurants. I'm not trying to take that away from you. I just want to start having you question whether 
your beliefs about yourself and your identity are giving you the result in your in your life that you're wanting. Okay. When we believe, I just really love food, it creates a lot of over-desire because over-desire is created by how we think about food and what we call in my program, we call it like sexy thoughts about food. Like when we tell ourselves these really sexy romantic stories about how wonderful the food is and how good it tastes, we create a lot of over-desire. Now, if you do not have a negative consequence from the over-desire in your life, then all the power to you but you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast, right? The reality is if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you are either struggling with overeating or overweight or both. And so food can have a place of enjoyment in life, not saying that it can't because it's cultural, it's part of family and friends and traditions. That's all wonderful. But if food is being elevated to a place of over-importance in your life, such that it's actually having negative consequences, then you may want to question your beliefs, right? Because how this plays out, I see this sometimes with my clients, is like people who spend all day reading cooking blogs, finding recipes, watching the cooking shows, like they're obsessed with, you know, HGTV and all like the cooking network and all that stuff. But then they're complaining that they have all this mental food chatter and like cravings all day long. It's like, well, You have to know that what you are feeding in your brain is just going to be rehashed in your brain. Your brain is just rehashing the content that you input over and over. And so if you're filling your brain with a lot of food thoughts, then that's what you're going to be ruminating on. So I want us to just question is, are our like sexy romantic thoughts about food serving us because they're optional? You can be a foodie who also wants to balance out appropriate enjoyment of food. Or you could decide that that's not a, th- not a thought, like not a belief that you want to carry around with about yourself. That's totally up to you. I just want to suggest that if you're having a negative consequence that you reframe how you're thinking about food and your relationship with food and how much you love food. So here's an option. An option could be, I'm finding the balance of enjoying food and finding true pleasure in other parts of my life. Here's why I threw in true pleasure. And this is like a little bit of a bonus one (laughs) because this is is a little bit off topic. There is a difference between true pleasure and false pleasure. Here's what I'll define false pleasure as. False pleasure is when you are getting immediate pleasure at long-term expense. So much of our society is based around false pleasure, right? We are chasing dopamine. It's the overspending, it's the gambling, it's the Netflix, it's the social media, it's getting likes, right? It's overspending on the latest handbag, it's keeping up with the like our neighbors with the latest things. We chase all these things and it's food, right? It's having that dessert, having that sweet fix. We're getting immediate pleasure because our brain seeks pleasure, but it's coming at a long-term cost. But of course, we don't tell ourselves about the cost, right? We focus on how pleasurable it's going to be. And that's why we have so many sexy food thoughts. So we focus on the pleasure, but it comes with the price tag. That would be a false pleasure. True pleasure doesn't come so easily. True pleasure comes in fostering connectedness. True pleasure comes in productivity and contribution and impact and service to others. These are things that give so much reward to our brain. 
And it's true reward because it doesn't come with a price tag, right? There's so much. That's true fulfillment. What truly people want in life, I believe, is to feel fulfilled. But we sacrifice that that search for fulfillment and actually walking that out because we're so busy chasing the false pleasures. Okay, I digress. I'm going to come back on topic there. (laughs) Now, number three, here's the thought. Everyone else is having it, so I can too. Doesn't that sound so justified? Well, everyone else is having it. I shouldn't have to eat differently than my boyfriend or my husband or my friends. Here is the problem, though. That's a thought error because it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't serve you and doesn't give you the result that you're wanting, but it's very justifiable, right? Like, of course, yeah, like we can rationalize why that should be so and why that's fair, right? We can really argue and defend that belief, but is it serving you? Because the action that follows is then you go off plan, right? You may have a way of eating that is the way that's going to fuel your body and your physiology and your genetics in the, like serve your body at the highest level. But when you're comparing yourself to others and thinking, I shouldn't have to eat differently from everyone else, then, you know, you're going to go off your plan and what's true for you and what's beneficial for you with a long-term consequence. Here's the other thing. When we compare ourselves to others, we see like one meal with them, right? Like we go out with our friends, we see them eating one meal. We have, we do not have the full picture of how they're eating the rest of the day, right? We see one meal. And so we can't compare ourselves to their one meal. And the other side of it is every person's body and physiology is different, right? You have different genetics and different physiology than your friend or your boyfriend or your husband. And so if you have this thought, I shouldn't have to eat differently, what that is is resistance to reality. It's resistance to your body and your genetics. And when we resist reality, we actually shoot ourselves in the foot because then we don't take the best course of action for ourselves. It's not a solution-focused way of thinking. It's not a beneficial, self-serving way of thinking. If we can instead move to a place of radical acceptance, so that means if you can move to a place where you accept your body and your genetics and your physiology, and it may be different than the next person, doesn't acceptance doesn't mean that you love it. Like that, oh, this is so great that, you know, my genetics favor weight gain. Like, oh, so wonderful. It's not that, but it's just accepting what is as it is. And then finding the best way to eat for your body. Okay. If this is my genetic makeup, if this is my physiology, how can I take care of me and serve me and honor my body to the highest level in the best way possible. What does it look like? How do I need to eat to take care of me? How do I need to sleep to take care of me? How do I need to move my body in a way that feels good for me? With no comparison, because every person is different. You're going to create so much more happiness and so much more health for yourself when you look at it this way. So the thought error is everyone else is having it, so I can too, which is a form of comparison or I shouldn't have to eat differently than everyone else. That's another, like, that's sometimes how it may sound. And I want you to start questioning whether that thought is serving you. Okay, number four, I should not have to spend time on meal planning. Here is the truth. You will have to spend some time thinking about food and making a decision before the food goes into your mouth. Whether you do that 
in advance or in the moment is up to you, but it's going to happen because before food goes into your head, there is a choice that is made. You either make that choice when you're in sound mind, when you're using your like executive brain to make great decisions ahead of time, or you make that decision when it's six o'clock at night, you're exhausted, you're fatigued, you're, you know, you're brain dead from the day, you're stressed, your kids are yelling because they're hungry and tired, and you're basing all your decisions on impulse. You get to choose, right? When do you want to make that decision for yourself? You don't want to make it when impulse is high and primitive brain is reigning, right? When primitive brain is in charge, not when you want to make decisions for yourself. You want to make decisions when your executive brain is strong and you're well-rested and you're making wise choices for yourself. That requires making this decision ahead of time. So here's the thing. When we tell ourselves we don't have time or we shouldn't have to, it's just procrastinating on making that decision because you will have to make a choice before the food goes in, enter, enters your mouth. There is a choice that happens, right? The choice may be to pick up the phone and order Uber Eats, but a choice is being made. So you either make that choice before or you make that choice in the moment. What decision is going to serve you best? Often when people have the thought, I shouldn't have to spend time on meal planning or I don't have time for this, they have made this to be a huge thing, right? I was just coaching a woman last night in our group who was saying like, it feels so overwhelming. Like it's so daunting when I think about that. And we realized like she was making it mean that she was going to have to spend two hours on a Sunday, that she was going to have to find time for that. And she was going to have to like cook all of her meat and she just didn't want to do it. And I was like, that is not what it has to be. It's literally just knowing, okay, you know what? This week, one night, one night is going to be salmon. One night it's going to be chicken. One night it's going to be tofu. One night it's going to be ground beef. Like literally that's the rotation that happens in my house. It can be so easy. You don't have to have a gourmet meal. You just need to know what's my protein going to be? What's my veg going to be? What's my complex carb going to be? Done. That's it right? Then you have those things in the fridge and then you execute. You've made the decision ahead of time. You've prepared some forethought of what's going to happen. And you're doing that future version of yourself, the tired version of you, the biggest favor. Because when we make the decision in the moment, we're relying on willpower. Okay. We're crossing our fingers and just hoping that this time I'll have enough willpower for this to work. I just hope that tonight at six o'clock, I'm going to have enough willpower. And then we fail and we wonder why willpower doesn't work because it's not the right strategy, right? Like, let's not set ourselves up for failure. So here's how you could think about it. You know what? This doesn't take a lot of time. How can I make this easier? I love that question. I ask it all the time in my group. For women who think things are really hard, well, how can you make it easier? What could your brain come up with to make this really easy? And then, you know, when I asked this last night, my client came up with so many great thoughts of like, oh, well, yeah, I already know like three go-to meals I could have and... I told her, like, why don't you plan in takeout one night per week, and but just make a conscious decision of what you're going to have, right? So our brain can come up with solutions when we ask the good questions. How can I make this easier? Okay. And then you could just have the thought, you know what? I'm going to take a few minutes to think about what I'm going to eat later because that's doing my future self a favor. That could be your thought reframe. Two more. Okay. Number five, I'm just addicted to sugar or I'm, but I'm a food addict. This is an extremely disempowering belief to walk around with, right? Because if you adopt the identity of someone who is addicted to food or addicted to sugar, your actions will align with that identity. So even the idea of food addiction is very contentious in the medical community of whether that's like a true diagnosis. I would say that there is probably a rare diagnosis called processed food addiction, where it's truly like addictive patterns similar to like 
you know, drug addiction or alcohol. But for the most part, the people who walk around telling themselves that they're addicted to sugar or they're addicted to food are not truly addicted, okay? And when you tell yourself that, your action will play out because you will live out your identity. You, your brain will make sure that your actions align with what you believe about yourself. So telling yourself you're an addict is immediately surrendering all, surrendering all power, Okay, and then when you have like an urge, which is a completely normal phenomenon, by the way, like our brain has urges and cravings, it's normal. But when you believe you're an addict, the urge produces panic. Like, oh my gosh, I have no control. Like, what am I going to do? Here it is. Like, I'm having a craving. I can't do anything about it. And then all of that struggle leads to you thinking you can't do anything about it. And so you give in, right? Which reinforces this idea that you have an addiction. So what I'm proposing instead is realizing and normalizing the fact that we all have urges and cravings, 100% normal. It's the resistance to the urges and cravings that actually leads to a lot of problems. So here's the reminder. It is normal for my brain to have sugar cravings. And I can still make a healthy choice right now. What's my next best choice? Okay. So dialectical thinking is one of the things that we teach in our program. It's helpful for like emotional eating, but it's the idea of holding two opposing thoughts. Oftentimes people will think like, oh my gosh, I'm having a sugar craving. Therefore I'm going to give into it, right? Like they can't see that there's other options. Oh my gosh, I'm having a sugar craving. My brain, like I'm experiencing a craving. It's actually normal. And I can actually still make a healthy choice. We can hold those two thoughts together. Last thought. This one you've heard me talk about before. I've screwed up. I'll just start over again on Monday. So this is rigid black and white thinking, right? It makes you get stuck to the point of no return because your brain just means it makes one thing mean another, right? I screwed up. That means I have to start over on Monday. And because this is a pattern that many, many women repeat again and again, they just reinforce this idea that like when I screw up, I start over on Monday. So here's again where I want you to practice dialectical thinking, where you can hold two seemingly contradictory viewpoints together, where failure and success can coexist. Okay, so here is what I'm offering. I just overate, that's the failure, and I don't have to make that mean that I'm going to make more like poor choices that are going to make me feel worse by overeating. So you hold failure and success at the same time. You could have literally just overeaten and binged and eaten everything in your fridge and all the sugar and all the chocolate and everything and all the chips five minutes ago, and you can still make your next best choice. Those two things can coexist, but we have to remind our brains that that's possible because our brain wants it to be like, well, now it's just done, right? The day's over. Like I can't, like I just had a huge binge. Might as well just keep going. I'll start my diet again on Monday. Never start again on Monday. Always start right now. Start in your next moment. That is how you break the cycle of starting your diet again and starting your diet again. So the phrase that I want you to tack on is, and I can still make a healthy choice right now. We teach something called the next best method and the, you know, boiling it down. It's what's my next best choice right now, right in this moment. Okay, so I gave you six thoughts that are not serving you that I just want you to start questioning. The first was, don't waste your food or I have to finish my plate. Number two, I just really love food. Three, everyone else is having it, so I can too. Four, I shouldn't have to spend time on meal planning. Five, I am just a sugar addict. And the last one is, I screwed up. I'll start over on Monday. 
want you to start questioning these beliefs. They do not have to be what you continue believing moving forward. You get to decide if you want to change your belief system. You're an adult. You're allowed to do it. I give you permission. The reality is that creating a healthy lifestyle and losing weight is so much about choosing intentionally and deliberately how we want to think and how we speak to ourselves. Because from our beliefs and our thinking, we cause our actions and our results. That is just how this works. (laughs) It is truly the power of harnessing your mindset to create the life that you want and to achieve the lasting weight loss that you're wanting. All right. I have a goal to work with another five women this month inside of Best Weight. So if you have been considering Best Weight and you're wondering if this could be the solution that you've been looking for, I want to invite you to book a free discovery call through my website, www.sashahighmd.com. I want you to go there now, book your free call. I want to help you quit dieting. I want to help you lose weight for the last time and move on with your life so that you can thrive because you have way more important things to be focused on. All right. I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.